impacts them every day. I think we're going to do a great job. Welcome to the Modern Man Podcast, where we connect men in pursuit of their potential. Join us as we embrace discomfort, cultivate community, and put wind in each other's sails. If you're ready to take your personal and professional growth to the next level, be sure to like, share, and subscribe this podcast. And don't forget to check out the Noble Knights Mastermind Group, where you'll find the support, accountability, and mentorship you need to achieve your goals. Now, join us and become a part of a community of like-minded men on a mission to improve themselves and elevate their capacity for life. And we're going to get a pump from our guest today out of Austin, Texas, serial entrepreneur, founder, managing partner of Kettlebell Kings, and also the founder of Life Grows Green. It is my pleasure to have Chad Price on the podcast. Chad, how you doing? Doing great. Thank you for having me on today. Nice to finally meet you. Absolutely. It is a pleasure, man. Thank you for being on. And as always, the, the audience and those that listen, they already know I'm going to kind of step out the way for a second and let the guest introduce themselves in their own words. And that way we can kind of jump into the subject matter. But I could also hear from your words, really what you find important about your history. So please take the floor, brother. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, Chad Price, like you like you referred to before. Uh, I started my kind of entrepreneurship journey after uh, college. I, I played college sports and um, grew up kind of in a small town where I went, ended up going to Rice University for a full scholarship there. Um, after graduating there, I got into corporate America quite a bit, worked to several different companies, uh, ended up working in oil and gas until I really realized that corporate America wasn't going to be the long-term structure for me. Um, that led to my journey of starting Kettlebell Kings and really starting really e-commerce direct-to-consumer brands. Um, my goal was always to kind of start a community of people that could connect each other online. Um, and so, you know, in starting Kettlebell Kings, we really had the centerpiece be around kettlebells. And now I've kind of that, that was a 10 year journey that culminated in the sale of, of Kettlebell Kings. And I'm still going through that transition, transitional period right now. Um, and during that time, I've also started a, um, a natural plant-based company lifestyle brand, uh, we have, you know, hemp and CBD type products around um, health and wellness. And so it, it's more of a the next chapter, I would say, of my entrepreneurship journey after the sale of my first company. Man, I, I love that. And, and something that you said, very subtle, a lot of people aren't going to catch that is when you said, you know, you're 10 years into this process with Kettlebell Kings and still transitioning from that, you know, uh, kind of sending that home is it, it takes 10 years to be an overnight success or it takes a long time of consistency and growth to get to where we want to in life. And a lot of people are trying to do that get rich quick, or they want to get there yesterday. And it's just not the case. This is a long process that you need to commit yourself to for a season of life. I'm not going to say for your entire life, because I think that puts too much pressure on it when people graduate yeah. and you say, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? But no, committing to something for a season of life. I'm interested to know going in it, were you thinking long-term, right? Where you mentioned, Corporate America, you realize not for you. You start looking at starting a company. Um, you, you're athlete, so you're probably looking at fitness being part of it. How did the whole idea of Kettlebell Kings come into play and then starting that business? What were some of those early trials and tribulations that you had to overcome? Um, well, I mean, initially, I knew I wanted to start a company that had something to do with e-commerce. And so that was a kind of a foundational point that uh, that we made. And so I went and found two business partners that, you know, we wanted to form kind of like a 
triad type council where we could easily make decisions and not, you know, get in some type of a split. So uh, we really wanted to get to find three people that were committed to it. And before we even knew what the product was, we knew we were going to do some type of e-commerce brand. So forming an online community, selling a central piece or a central product to that community. And then as you grow that community, you find out what other products that, that community needs. And then you can package those kind of ancillary products along with your main product line. Um, at the, at the time I was actually kind of finishing my, like, let's say, you know, competitive, uh, athletic career. And I was really getting into a more, uh, functional fitness workout routine myself. And so going to the gym and going to, you know, a 24 hour fitness or a goals gym, it, it, it more was like a, a social event to me than, than an actual workout. And so I really got into home fitness and that led me down the path of kettlebells and, once I picked it up and really started working out with it, I could see how, you know, I kind of missed out on using tools like this, even through my competitive uh, days. But I really saw the functional side of it and how someone who, you know, doesn't work out on the regular or is not necessarily working out to compete uh, would gain a lot more functional benefit in their lives just by picking this up and, and moving it around in more fluid motions than uh, the static things that most people are used to when you go to a gym. So yeah. that kind of, um, they led to us. That led to us starting a a meeting on you know what other brands are out there. Are there any brands that we see that you know are already kind of taken over that space? And there was really none. So Kettlebell Kings was born kind of on that day where we wanted to be the cool brand in that space. We wanted to be the you know let's say like the ESPN of the kettlebell community. We wanted to bring everyone who fancied this or you know considered themselves an enthusiast around this product. We wanted to bring all those people together. So, you know, we sponsored major competitions. We sponsored uh, even small backyard type of competitions. We really tried to get a grassroots uh, community support behind the brand and what we were trying to achieve around the kettlebell. Man, I mean, that's awesome because I'll be honest, that, that kettlebell used to be the thing in the corner of the gym I would kind of just stare at and not really know what to do with it. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. I, like I just pass it on my way to the freeway. Yeah. It seems like, I, you know, but whether it be thrusters, kettlebell swings, I, when I started unlocking some of the, uh, the activities, get ups, the, oh, man, <laughs> I've had enough workouts with a kettlebell where if I'm going to the gym and a friend of mine's leading the workout, he grabs a kettlebell. I'm like, Oh crap. Here we go. Like this, yeah. not in a bad way. Like this is like, this is going to hurt, but this is actually going to be good. This is going to be a good workout. I'm interested to know in terms of for you, did you find any, any barriers? And this is just kind of just curiosity around kettlebell Kings. We could change the subject in a second, but were there any barriers in getting this in the hands of people? Or did you find that, man, this was already where the attention was going. So why not go to where they're headed and kind of like, you know, in a gold rush, sell shovels. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I think there was definitely, um, there was definitely a lot of research that we did prior to the growing market. So I think anytime you start a business, you want to, if you, if you can, you want to enter a growing market, it just you know, you want to have more customers in the next year than you had in the previous year. And, you know, you want that pot or that pool of people to, to grow uh, annually. So mm -hmm. we really thought we were getting, you know, kettlebells on the upward uh, trend of, of just culturally being accepted. Fitness people were, you know, implementing them more supplementally. And then also there were kettlebell enthusiasts who were kind of moving to using them exclusively for home fitness workouts. And that's really the big space that, that we knew had to grow. Um, even pre-COVID, we knew 
you know, home fitness was going to be one of those things that is going to be kind of the future of fitness. Uh, going to a gym, unfortunately, is not a convenience that everyone in America can can do. But, you know, if you're on a limited budget, you can purchase one kettlebell and watch free videos on YouTube. And I think that's the, the future of most people's fitness, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. So really seeing that is kind of what made us decide to tackle that is really we, we knew it was a growing market from the, from the jump. I, I love that awareness because as I've been looking more and more in business and, and researching case studies is, you know, I see that that common trend where, you know, catching an upward trend, something that's on the up and up, you get in there early enough, you could you could still stand out in the marketplace, you still have the blue ocean, and it's not overly saturated to the point where you're going to get kind of edged out by all these big guys. I, I love the, uh, the the strategic approach and really the the business acumen you had going into that, which quite frankly, a lot of guys listening to, whether they're working on a side hustle, whether they're maybe leaving their day job to start something fully, might not have that training. So was this something you studied in school? Was this something that you maybe learned firsthand? Because kind of looking back into some of your history, I love that you said, you know, you've been grown since 12 years old. And I can relate to that because I've been always called that I'm an old soul. My, my dad, yeah. you know, he he's still with me to this day, thankfully. And he's, you know, he's 81. My mom's 76. And everybody's like, man, you know, you got some older parents, which makes me an old soul. So I'm interested to know in terms of your strategic approach, even the way you mentioned a triad and decision making going into business. Where did that foundation come from? I mean, I, I think it comes a lot from sports. You know, I think. Uh, growing up, I was always, you know, trying to be an example, you know, team leader, team captain, point guard type of type of player. I, you know, I always wanted uh, to have that kind of structural discipline on the teams that I, I was a part of. And mm -hmm. I noticed early on that teams that won had that structural discipline. They had, you know, hierarchies. They had uh, the personal dynamics were correct in order for them to win. It wasn't just about the talent. So, you know, you see that a lot in sports where, you know, every NFL team has NFL players, but they don't win championships like, like equally. So mm -hmm. um, I was always more of a person uh, from a very young age that really looked at the coaches and understood, okay, I see what you're trying to do here. You know, I, my coaches would come to me and like, Hey, Chad, I'm gonna get on you today. Don't take it personal mm -hmm. just because I need to motivate everybody else. Like I've always been kind of that type of guy where um, it's all about the team. It's all about our overall performance. Um, you know, mm. I'm trying to achieve goals that quite frankly should be impossible for me to achieve by myself. So I have to, I have to number one goal that I can do, or the number one way I can help my team is by making them cohesive and perform efficiently. Man, I, I love that impossible to achieve by myself because, you know, we've heard the quote, if you want to go fast, go along, if go, go alone. If you want to go far, you know, bring a team with you. Um, but what's interesting about that, it's not just necessarily a team. As you mentioned, you know, everybody in the NFL are professional players, but you know, it's funny when we talk about NFL and you know, I'm a Dolphins fan, so I can say this is like, man, but they're trash. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like these, these are professional athletes. Like yeah. you catch them on any given Sunday, they can work us, but we can say things like they're trash or this, the other thing, because when it comes to, you know, the cream rising to the top, the top 1%, those intangibles actually matter. And those yeah. intangibles will set the difference. And that's where the good 
can get exposed by the great. So my question, and, and I have an idea about where it stands, is you know, what is your standard, Chad, right? Because it sounds like you have that natural leadership, especially if coaches are leading on you knowing, you know, I could ride Chad a little bit because he's going he's gonna to put it on his shoulder and the rest of the team is going to see that. So I'm curious to know, what is your standard and how does, the, how does that play out into the businesses that you are a part of, whether it be Kettlebell Kings or Life Grows Green? I mean, I think that's an interesting question. And I, I was actually asked this the other day, and I think I connected something that I hadn't connected in a while. But when, you know, when I grew up playing sports, we were extremely good. So I wasn't used to losing games. You know, I was one of those kids, like if I lost a game, it was a problem. You know, it was it was a big deal. Um, the, my first experience with really losing games was going to college, going to Rice. You know, I lost more games in my first year than I lost in all of my career before mm -hmm. then. So, um, you know, for me, my standard was winning. Um, you know, if we didn't win, that means we, you know, it's not a terrible thing to lose, but it's, it's something that you go home and you work on. You don't just accept that we, we, we're losers. Um, yeah. and I think that mentality has always stuck with me. So it's always been e easy for me to go and look at how I can get better. I'm actually genuinely interested in seeing what mistakes I made, even if we won the game, I, I, I want to go see what did I do wrong and how could I fix it? How could I, how could I have actually, you know, made it perfect? How could I have gotten four interceptions instead of three? Like, how could I have uh, played the perfect game? Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's just that never ending quest for, you know, knowing that you'll never reach it is not only something that you should do when you're personally applying yourself to something like sports, but I, you know, I think it's something that, every business should do. Um, you know, I don't think if you don't have that type of mentality for the leadership in, in, in a company, you know, I think you should be replaced because you're, you're genuinely not doing your duty to society. Uh, so when I look at a kettlebell, for example, or, um, you know, uh, the products I'm doing with Life Grows Green, I'm genuinely trying to bring you the best product that I can find. That is a genuine effort. And I grade myself on that effort and that effort should get better on a, on an annual basis or a monthly basis or however I'm, I'm choosing to measure myself. But it, it shouldn't just be, you know, if you accept it, then it's good enough type of mentality. Yeah. Hey, hey, don't hurt him, Chad. <laughs> you spent some truth on this because a lot of people are sitting down listening and I'll, I'll go ahead and, and call myself out to the point of, you know, I know when I'm not operating at my fullest at work. Right. Yeah. I know when I'm not operating 100 percent. And that that's that's no one else's fault but my own. But the reality is, you know, when I got my job, I know how many other people applied, right? When I when I do what I'm doing, I know how many, how many other people are in this podcast game. And the reality is, so many of us sometimes we get complacent, we take our gifts for granted, and we end up getting comfortable in a situation, acting like there's not a target on our back. But if you are in a position of a lore, if you're in a position that others want, you do have a target on your back. And I can sit here knowing that there are thousands of people ready and willing and qualified to do what I do if I start slipping. So the way you put that, man, that's something that so many people had to hear because I've heard the whole, okay, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And, you know, if, if you're not going to do it right, it's not worth doing. But the reality is in whatever position and any gifts and any blessings that you have, don't take it for granted because there is someone else who would love to have that. And if you give them an opportunity to take it, they'll definitely kind of exploit that opportunity, which is why we have to be on our A game all the time. So I, I love that you connected that because 
I do think we have to set our own standard and live by that before we can express that onto others. Yeah, for sure. When it comes to community, um, what I, I loved when you were talking about, you know, building the brand Kettlebell Kings, um, the focus really much on, on community. And I wrote down as a question, you know, company versus community. I'm interested into your thought process into, you know, how that, that those dynamics work. Cause some people build a company uh, just to be a company to serve, to sell or whatnot, while others are more focused on, you know, I'm building a community around what I'm doing. How important is it to have that latter half? I mean, I think it, it definitely there's different business models. Um, but, you know, I think a more forward thinking business model is having a community associated with it. You know, I think the, uh, you know, if you look at the dominating brands, they're going to have a community of kind of cultish like followers that are, are following that particular brand for more than just a product, but almost it's a part of their identity. It's a part of something they're proud to be associated with. Um, and that can not only help you with your customer base, because you have a foundation for people to view and kind of look at from the outside and choose, pick and choose when they're kind of going to get in. But it also helps you with your employers and your employees, with your vendors, with, with everyone around. Because when you're seen as a community of people versus seen as just another vendor, you get more opportunities kind of thrown your way. So um, I think the fear a lot of people have when you start a community is you're not in complete control of it. And I think that goes back to you wanting to genuinely do the goals that you set forth. So if I'm not going to provide the best kettlebells to the community, then I'm going to find somebody that will. And the community, mm -hmm. if the community calls me, I don't not doing that. And it's my job to replace myself and let somebody else do that. It's not my job to steer the community in which direction I think is the best. Um, not knowing anything about like kettlebells, for example, when I really first started, you know, I'd used them before. I was very proficient and experienced in, in, you know, competitive lifting and working out. I worked out, you know, most of my life, but I didn't know what an average consumer wanted to purchase in a, in a kettlebell. I didn't know what a sports competition athlete needed to have to hit the most reps for his world record attempt. Like, these are things that the community told me, and I took that feedback and gave it back to them and just kept that process going. So, at this point, once you have a community, you really kind of have a R&D department that's going to feed you what ideas you need and what products they really want. So it's not even a debatable uh, topic at this point. It's more like, hey, let's go ask the community what they're looking for and let's do our best to provide it for them. I love that, man. And I love the duality in these two answers because uh, and I'm just talking about how folks can interpret things, right? In the duality of we talk about standard. You know, and you say, if we lost, it's a problem, right? And, and that high standard, that competitiveness could be almost concluded to some folks as ego. But then right in the next answer, you're like, listen, if I'm setting out to get the best kettlebells for this community, that's my goal. Even if it's not from me, like I got to step aside if yeah. that's the case. That's the lack of ego, right? So yeah. I love the duality in those two answers where someone could be, okay, there's there's the ego that can drive that that competition, that could drive that ambition, but then there's the lack of ego that understands, you know, what's best for the community might not be me. I'm interested in to know how that plays into leadership and what entrepreneurship has taught you about leadership and working with others when it comes to a vision, whether it 
be guys listening to how can I instill a vision for my family or guys listening to like, how can I motivate my workplace to change the culture around? Or maybe some guys who are opening a gym of their own or they're looking at their side hustle and trying to inspire a team to follow them towards a vision. Um, I mean, I think it's consistency. You know, I think persistence goes a long way. Um, people are subconsciously watching you, what you do in your daily habits and, and what you achieve. So, you know, when someone is noticing that something's genuinely not important to you or they, they can sense that it's not important to you, you know, you don't have to say it out loud. And yeah. I think kind of having that uh, serious intention, the self-awareness to always kind of make sure that you're making your business a priority in the way that you carry yourself and the way that you move, especially when you're in front of your team members is almost essential. You know, um, the, you know, the example I'll give, like we had interns that would outperform vendors on a regular basis. And mm. the reason they outperformed them is because they had a personal connection with the brand because they just so happened to be into fitness as well. They got social popularity from being associated with the brand. They got uh, free equipment. They got, it, it was more of a lifestyle for them than just coming on board with some random company. Mm. Um, even to this day, we, you know, we, we still have people who will work with us because of what the brand means to them versus what they actually have done. And so I think creating this, the idea that this is going to happen kind of with or without you, I would love for you to be involved. This is going somewhere and maintaining that idea on a daily basis, year in, year out, uh, it's easier said than done, but it's, um, it's, it's an essential part of kind of starting the spark of, of really creating that team. Yeah, man, I love that. Hey, this train's going with, with or without you, man. Like you coming on or you're gonna miss this stop. I'm not saying you can't get on later, but at at, at this juncture, we're moving. We're we're moving forward. Yeah. Uh, how does how does Chad handle failure? Failure in life, failure in fitness, uh, setbacks in business. Uh, because I mean. Life's gonna punch us in the face. I've learned that. You know, I'm I'm 35 years old. I'm not a I'm not a young man. I'm not an old man. But I've been around long enough to know that you know this thing called life can be hard sometimes. How do you handle those hard days, those heavy days, those setbacks, those punches? Um, I mean, I think this goes back to my sports days. I I I remember people having a hard time watching film of them messing up. You know, people like uh, we you know we'd be in film in college and you'd be watching plays where somebody scored a touchdown on your, on the defense and whose fault it was and what they should have done. And to some people that would deflate their ego. So, you know, you, you might have a coaching staff that say, Hey, you can't, you can't do that. You need to show more videos of the positive stuff too, to make sure these guys aren't losing their ego. And I get that. And I love these type of psych psych psychological games that we play with ourselves. But for me, I've always leaned into what did I do wrong? And it never hurt me at all. So like, I like watching myself make the mistake. I want to see, did I, like, if I got a touchdown scored on me, I'm going to watch it over and over and over and over. Way more than I watch my interception. Like, I watch my interception mm -hmm. once. I watch someone score a touchdown on me 20 times. Because I I know I'm going to score a touchdown. That's, you know, that I know I'm going to get an interception. That's, that's a given. What I don't want to happen is what I need to focus on. So I look at failures as something that really gives me an opportunity to hone in and see 
where my assumptions, where my predictions uh, on how things or how I thought things should be kind of failed me. And it's really the only time to recalibrate. Mm. If everything's going perfect and you, you know, you, you really are kind of just in just as much of dark as if everything was going wrong. So when I think you have that balance of you have some projects that fail, you have some projects that go well, you gain more experience and knowledge uh, that can help you exponentially grow in your future endeavors. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's things that I did in year two that I'm glad we failed on because I don't have to fail on them in year 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I mean, year, year two, you fail on that. We're probably like, all right, it's a couple thousand, you know, a yeah. hundred thousand year 10. You're like, this is a couple million. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's a bigger mistake exactly. here. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that because I mean, I'm sure some of the, the viewers and the listeners could relate to that uneasy feeling when you know you're at work day in and day out and you keep asking the managers, Hey, everything. Okay. They're like, you're fine. Keep doing what you're doing. Like for some reason, that's just an uneasy feeling, right? The whole no news is good news. Like, no, like what, what bad habits are getting solidified right now? Yeah. Because I'm not getting any feedback. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And some people are like, well, we don't have that many bad habits, but what bad habits do we have to work on? And I think that's a different mentality where we, we can, as a team, we can always be training to be better. There's no such thing as us not training to be better. We're never becoming uh, lackadaisical, lackadaisical or complacent because at the end of the day, uh, um, a flatlining company is a, is a dying company. You know, mm-hmm. a, a company has to be growing on a consistent basis, uh, mm-hmm. whether that's the customer base, sales volume, however you want to look at that, every number needs to be growing. And if you don't have that, men- that competitive mentality, especially in your leadership positions, then you, you'll never really make it. Uh, yeah. it's, it's people out here that are a lot hungrier than you that they want that same dollar from that same customer uh, and, a, and a lot are willing to go a lot farther than you will if you don't have that mentality. Yeah, there's nuances it too. I love that you said there there are people out there, out there that are hungry, and it's important for your leadership positions to be that hungry. But anybody that's listening that's not in the leadership position, you don't have to be a leader to push yourself. I, I mean, quick story. Um, I work in TV. I'm a meteorologist. My co-anchor, we we hold it down in the morning. We're in the gym together. And I asked him. I said, "Hey, man, you know, how's my work? Right? Because I'm in that position. Keep doing what you're doing. Everything good. Great." Ask my co-anchor who's got that mentality. Hey, man, how am I doing? He smirked and he's like, don't take this the wrong way, but you're you're relying on your confidence monitor too much. That's a little TV screen to the side. Mm-hmm. So he told me, he's like, man, if I were you, I would turn that off. So in essence, he's saying, do my forecast blind. I go in the yeah. next morning. <laughs> I go in the next morning. I turn that confidence monitor off on the side. And what that did was it forced me to look forward more, forced mm-hmm. me to look at the camera more, forced me to look at the viewers at home or make that connection. Next day, we're at the gym. He's like, hey, man, I wanted to tell you, I'm proud of you, man. You you played the game on hard today when you didn't have to. And because yeah. of that, you, you made a little bit of an improvement. And now it still yeah. sticks to my head in this day, like bad habit eradicated. Yeah. Even if he was wrong, you still corrected the habit. And that's to me, like, that's the mentality that, that everyone has to have. So even if you should have had the monitor on, you can always turn the monitor back on. But the fact that you're willing to challenge yourself like that and grow past whatever potential, you know, pitfall you may have in that day, in that moment, like that to me, that's what, what means everything. And that's the type of mentality that you have to create, especially in your leadership. I mean, if, if you don't have that in your leadership, you're, everyone else is going to be complacent because the leadership's complacent. 
Absolutely. I'm not praying for an easy life. I'm just praying for more capacity to take it on. <laughs> um, I, I want to talk about uh, Life Grows Green, man. Obviously, with the with the transition, 10 years, Kettlebell Kings kind of coming into this new passion. What was kind of the the the, the seed for that idea, the, the vision with it, and kind of maybe the passion that was underlining in, in the whole formation of Life Grows Green? Sure. Um, I mean, I think when I started my entrepreneurial journey. Uh, I didn't really realize it at the time, but I I realize it now more than ever that I really wanted to create a, a positive community. So, I, you know, I wanted to create something that if people got involved in, it would be some benefit to them personally. Uh, you know, th- their lives would be better for having, have purchased or being associated with the brand that, I, that I've created. Um, that kind of culminated a lot in the community that we built with Kettlebell Kings, using that as a centerpiece for health and wellness. And the thing that I really personally have a passion about as well, that's kind of the the things that are pitched to us, the pharmaceutical drugs that are pitched to us, um, and the stigmas around natural plant-based medicine and really just natural products in general, whether it's supporting health and wellness or, um, you know, beauty, um, you know, you name it, anything that can be a natural product, in my opinion, should always, we should always lean towards that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have a lot of companies out here that produce products that put, you know, chemicals and in different ingredients and things that they know are not uh, necessarily ben- beneficial for you. And, you know, I don't think giving somebody 0.01% of a bad thing is a good thing. I think just take it out if you can. And that's that's really why I started this company. So the stigma around the hemp plant, the stigma around cannabis, um, the, the, the non, you know, research that's been done around the benefits versus pharmaceutical drugs is really kind of my passion. So I'm, I'm trying to create a community of people who want to have natural plant-based products, natural products to interchange out for any type of pharmaceutical or any type of, uh, let's say, you know, Western uh, approach to medicine, to health and wellness. Mm, Yeah, I love that. I mean, so I talk about my wife on this podcast a lot, those that listen know. So she she got into the, you know, plant-based diet and, and clean products, environmentally friendly stuff. And you know, when she opened the medicine cabinet, it starts going through my stuff. Okay. My soap had to go. My lotion had to go. Yeah. My, my deodorant yeah. had to it's go. So many. Yeah. It's so many. Yeah. It's yeah. So many. She's like, you got talc and, in this, and aluminum in this. Yeah. And, and you know, and it's gotten so, it's gotten to the point where we're not even informed about it anymore. So, you, you know, like I say, they, they are making rules. And when I say they, I mean, you know, the government and pharmaceutical companies are lobbying to make laws that allow them to put things into our uh, ingestible items, into our topicals, into things that we don't necessarily need. And if you knew what they were and you knew that you could get them from somewhere else, you wouldn't buy them from them. So they're, they're almost hiding it. And I've always looked at things like that as kind of misleading. And, you know, I, I genuinely want to put those types of companies out of business. And I, I kind of like taking on the challenge of building a community that stays focused on actually beneficial products and products that are natural that we can just pull from uh, what we've, what we've grown and what we've grown in organic ways. And I think that's the kind of the vision of the company is we don't know what uh, right now, we don't know what product let's say is going to be our bestseller. Um, You know, we started with probably about 30 different products at this point, but it'll be a continuous process of growing and building that community of people who share that kind of mindset. 
Yeah, I love that mentality too, man. You, you're still looking for them interceptions. You go into the wrong business, you go intercept some of those com- customers. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah, man, uh, that's that's what's so important. Something you said though is because I encourage a lot of people to do research because, um, you know, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis back in 2010, landed me in the hospital in 2012. A lot of the food I was eating, the processed food, just my diet, uh, my drinking, all these habits that I had, which landed me in the hospital and almost lost my large intestine. When I had to learn how to hold food down again, learn how to identify, I had a food journal of, okay, this food makes me gassy. This food hurts. This food's bad for you. This food's good. And you start realizing and doing this research into, you know, your own health and wellness. I mean, it's, it's a lot of work, which is why I see why most people don't do it. But at the same time, I think as, as humans, we're all biodiverse. We have different needs, different functionality here and there. And to have just one overarching umbrella for all of us to operate on the self same health, I think it's short-sighted, man. And not enough people take that effort in doing the research. So the fact that you have this company pushing these cleaner products and giving that option, man, it's something that the marketplace really, really needs. And I appreciate you wholeheartedly for doing that, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I think right now um, it's hard enough, you know, what, what my journey through entrepreneurship has taught me is, you really have to kind of educate the consumer to get them comfortable enough to purchase the product. Um, and it's hard enough just to get, educate someone to that point, but then to educate them, like you say, to the point where they're willing to commit to a, a food journal and really document what they actually ingest or what they actually put on themselves on a regular basis. It's not going to be uh, a real option, I would say, for the, for the, the mass population. Mm-hmm. And so what I try to do is build a company or build a community that you can trust the the message that we're giving. If you are going to looking for this type of product, you can purchase it here without necessarily going through the same process of, you know, understanding how a cell phone was built. You can still use the cell phone, right? Like that's, that's really what I'm trying to give the option for is if you want the research, you want the lab results, we have all that for you. But the number one thing is you can trust that that is the vision of the company and that vision won't change. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, that's uh, it's for someone like me with the food journal or whatnot. And, and one of the books behind me, Dr. Joe Dispenza, I love he says, you know, there's yeah. usually two catalysts for changes. It gets so bad that they have no choice but to change or the smart ones who change beforehand. But the, the main thing, too, is when you have these trusted companies, right, that's why you have, you know, uh, a Spike Lee joint. It's like, all right, yeah. Spike Lee put his name on it. It must yeah. be good. Uh, you have yeah, give it a chance. Yeah. Exactly. You have these trusted sources that will at least do most of the vetting for you, which can help ease up the uh, the barrier of entry uh, for yeah. getting that healthier life. I'd love for our audience, our, our listeners, uh, to have that opportunity to connect with you, Chad, uh, on a personal level through social, uh, connect with, with your companies, Life Grows Green, Kettlebell Kings, and follow some of the amazing work you're doing. So uh, what's the best way for folks to connect with you, man? Sure. If you're looking to connect personally, whether, you know, that's consulting, uh, you have any, you know, potential projects, partnerships you're looking for, that would be probably, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me Chad Price on there, real Chad Price on social, on social media. Um, as far as Life Grows Green grows, same thing, Life Grows Green uh, on, our, on all social accounts. You can follow us at the website, sign up for the, lose, the newsletter at lifegrowsgreen.com. And then if you're looking for, you know, physical health and wellness, fitness equipment. Uh, you can also go check out Kettlebell Kings on all socials. 
check it out on YouTube. Uh, we have a newsletter as well. You can get free weekly workouts. Um, so oh, nice. so many different options. So yeah, yeah. just uh, once you open up kind of one of the links, it'll all kind of lead to the to the rest of the stuff. <laughs> just hop, just hop down the rabbit hole, man. There you go. Follow uh, the rabbit hole. This has been amazing, Chad. I, I got one last question. It's usually the heaviest one. I save it for, for 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 the end. If you need to take a little time to think about it, it's all good. The uh, because I usually know that a lot of people try and give a genuine answer to this. Um, but what is something you've seen or something that's happened in your life that kind of shapes the way you see the world as a man? I mean, I think I think there are several different things. Um, but you know, if I had to kind of narrow it down for for this particular show i would say growing up i i've had the unique experience i think of having you know younger parents i lived i grew up in a small town um then i moved to houston which to me is like a real city you know any any and everything you want to happen whether that's good or bad kind of happens in, in a city like houston um and I lived there for an extended period of my life. And I also moved to moved to Austin after that, which is kind of a growing city. And really, I've seen culturally how different we really are. Uh, you know, I've also been to other countries and uh, I'm pretty well traveled. So at, at this point in my life, I, I really have gotten a chance to see what brings us together, but culturally how different we really are. Whether that's someone who lives in a small town, a rural city like Bay City, versus someone who aspires to be, you know, a millionaire and works downtown Houston um, versus, you know, a startup company in Austin. And I've tried to kind of build and find the commonalities among us more than study those differences that we have, because I think those commonalities are what we consume. You know, we consume the commonalities, whether that's through culture, rap music, you know, rock and roll music, country music, movies, or it's through brands. And at the end of the day, I want to try to build as many links as I can through those common common kind of traits that we all share and mm -hmm. really kind of bring something positive to, to the world through that. I love that. So the focus on what connects us, not necessarily what separates us to For sure. build that link. Chad Price, this is this has been amazing, man. I, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much for your expertise, your experience, and and sharing on the podcast with us today, man. It's been it's been very valuable. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm going to recap some of the things you said along the way, just for some of the listeners who probably are working out while doing this. Go ahead. One more set. We see you. Um, or maybe going for a run or, or maybe cleaning the house. But what, what you first mentioned was more on the, the entrepreneurship side for anybody looking to start a business, the triad, right? The decision-making, having three. Early on in, <laughs> in my entrepreneurial journey, I made the mistake of having three business partners, 25% uh, ownership, all of us. And I can tell you that business failed. We went nowhere. <laughs> talk about business with four heads um find a growing market if you're looking to start something new i say start something new because a lot of people get this shiny object syndrome i'm not talking about hop on nfts hop on ai or hop on this i'm talking about if you are starting something new find a growing market that you commit yourself to for a season because it's going to take it's going to take persistence. It's going to take consistency, as Chad also mentioned. That was very, very helpful. Structural discipline, personal dynamic, when you are also going to be a natural leader of setting a standard for yourself and those around you. And then if you're trying to achieve something that's impossible, you're going to need a team. You're going to have to set audacious goals and have that team elevate to the same standard. Community equal research and development. Build a community around what you're doing. That community is going to keep you 
honest and true to your mission in providing what you're promising to the community. And of course, with or without you, do you have the tenacity, the commitment, and the drive to keep pushing forward with or without the support of certain people, maybe certain sponsorships or certain sales, right? If you see, if, if people see that you are committed and this is important to you, that's going to be the air that buys more and more fans. And then failure is an opportunity. Man, I love that. A lot of people look at failure being final, failure being a, a telling tang sign of exposing. No, failure is an opportunity for you to identify what needs to be worked on. That way you won't have to make the same mistakes in the future. And then what brings us together is more important than what sets us apart. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for making it to the end of the Modern Man Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this segment with Chad Price. Thank you again for joining us. As always, if you're serious about your entrepreneurial journey, your self-growth journey, if you are looking to elevate yourself, be sure to become part of a community of like-minded men on a mission to improve themselves and elevate their capacity for life. As we always say at the end of the episode, guys, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without first the pain. Let's grow. Let's get back to the next day. I think we're going to do a great job.